Hello and welcome to the Road to the Garden podcast. I'm Matt St. Jean, joined by my co-host Tommy Godin, as always, on this Thursday night. This is our last episode of the regular season, Tommy. Can you believe it? I cannot. This season flew by. This is crazy. Yeah, it's been uh, it happens so fast, especially once you get to conference play. So many games in such a short period of time, and it just it flies. So we're going to be looking at at what happened at the start of this week. Got some notable results. One very notable result in particular last night from the Ocean State in that Xavier Providence game. We got five more Big East games left before we get to the Big East tournament. So we're going to preview what we got going on this weekend. I think we can talk a little bit of seeding for the Big East tournament too, as that has kind of mostly settled into place with, with a couple things still to figure out this Saturday. Most of it has sorted itself out. We're going to be digging into all of that. Uh, a couple of reminders before we do, as always. First, we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. And as always, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. Tommy, I think we got to start with Wednesday night's game at the Amica Mutual Pavilion. Providence loses at home for the first time all season, for the first time since your Villanova Wildcats came into that building and won in the pink out last year. It's a Providence team that is now just three and seven in quad one. Two of those three quad one wins were at home in double overtime. And they're going to be third place in the Big East at best after this. Xavier has locked up that two seed. It's a Xavier team that just came in and scored 94 points on them in that building. I mean, this is a two-part question, I guess. But part one is... How concerned should we be about Providence? And part two is, are they a lock to make the tournament? Or is there a chance that they could actually free fall out of this thing somehow if things really spiral the next couple of games? Yeah, I think looking at Providence, they were right on that seven or eight line um, last time we checked out a bracketology report. I, I still have them there for now. Of course, it, it's not the kind of losses that they've had. I mean, they've played UConn. Uh, and they've played Xavier, and those are two outstanding teams. Um, but what worries me more about the Friars is the way that they lost these games. The final score in the Xavier game was a lot closer than I think the game represented, and the UConn game was a throttling. So, I mean, you're going to run into a buzzsaw every now and then. Sule Boom, Colby Jones, outstanding. Career high for Jones, season high, 33 for Sule Boom, just Flowers to them. I, I'm a little concerned about the way that this Providence team lost, but I'm not concerned to the point that I'm, I'm bumping them out of the tournament yet. Yeah. Well, and that's where I look at these next couple games. They got a home game here against Seton Hall, which will be a quad three game. They already beat Seton Hall this year. They beat them on the road. That game was without Femi Odakale, though, for Seton Hall. Obviously, no, uh, no Canary Richmond this week for Seton Hall. I don't know if he's going to be back for this one. That's an unknown. But that's where I, I I think they are safely in the field. I think they could lose out and still be in. But I do think there's a scenario here where 
if the way they're playing keeps up and they, they trip against Seton Hall on Saturday, and if that happens, they're probably getting to UConn in a 5-4 game in the Big East tournament. I The last time those two teams played, I, it doesn't give me any confidence Providence would even be competitive in that game. And you end the season with three straight losses, one at home to a quad three opponent, and then two to quad ones in there. And you might be looking at a playing game. You might be looking at a 10 or an 11 seed at that point. Yeah, and I mean, this is just not where we expected this Providence team to be. I mean, they were on cruise control for three quarters of the year after that slow start. But one thing you can say about these these Friars and this Ed Cooley coach team, I, I said it earlier that the final score wasn't really indicative of the type of game it was. But what it is indicative is, is the fight that these Friars have in them. They're not going to go down easy. Um, so I, I'm the... The, the little bit we have on here, the panic button, it's firmly on the table, but it is not even close not to being yet. hit yet. Yeah. Well, that's why this is – it's such a weird situation for Providence to be in because how long have we talked about Ed Cooley as the February guy? That's by, by the time you get to February, he will have figured out the team and they're going to be so good then. And even if they weren't great earlier, that's when they figured it out. And we saw this team figured out in December and really cruise through most of December and January – and now they're four and four since we since the calendar flips to February. It's it's very unprovidence like. It's very un Ed Cooley like, and so it's a weird weird situation for this team to be in, especially one that's ranked right now. Like even if they beat Seton Hall, I don't know if they're going to be ranked when we come around. But yeah, you talk about the toughness, the way Xavier got off to a start in this game. That that whole team came out firing. And Providence battled back. I think if there's one thing to take away from Providence this year is they don't have a, especially since they they turned the corner in December, only that UConn loss is a blowout one. Even when they didn't play well against St. John's, they battled back and gave themselves a chance. Even when they didn't play well against Xavier, they battled back, gave themselves a chance. They did it on the road against Creighton Marquette earlier this year. They bounced back against Xavier the first time and went to overtime in that one, the game they never really had control of. So it's a tough team. Uh, it's a, they're, they're a tough out for anybody that's going to play them the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, this Xavier team, it just goes to show how well-rounded they are without Zach Freeman, so one of their best offensive weapons. Like I mentioned, Colby Jones, career high, 29, 10 of 11 shooting. Sule Boom, 33, 11 of 19 shooting. Desmond Claude had a season high on five of nine shooting. Incredibly efficient night for this Xavier team, which is what they're going to need with this offense. And uh, you know who else had a good game, Matt? Say you know it. who had a good game. I don't say even it. have to say it. We're going to put it right on the screen there. <laughs> Jerome Hunter of the Jerome Hunter Fan Club. Chipped in seven points and three rebounds. We're going to talk about our awards show on Monday's episode, most likely, but I mean, when we talk about the most improved players in the conference, Jerome Hunter has to be up there. He's been amazing. And I think, again, the thing that's notable is like uh, Bryce Hopkins, I think he didn't have a bad game. He scored 17 points, but just four of 11 from the field. I thought once again, Jerome Hunter played good defense on him. Um, and it was, it's, I, I think I'd said, I believe I said it on our Monday episode about how I might have been on the flex. I'm not sure. When Providence and UConn played the first time, Bryce Hopkins got the best of Alex Carapan. 
When they played the second time, Alex Caravan came back, bounced back, and got the best of him. The first time Providence and Xavier played, Jerome Hunter dominated Bryce Hopkins, and this was the opportunity for Bryce Hopkins to do with Jerome Hunter what Caravan had just done to him. And it didn't happen. And he had a fine game. And he was uh, he was a huge part of the fact that they came back. But the fact that they had to come back was in large part because of the defense on him early. I think going off memory here, the Friars missed something like 11 or 12 straight shots in the first half. And that's not all in Hopkins. That's everybody. And that's maybe the best team defense we've seen from Xavier with any stretch this season, especially late in the year here. Um, but, yeah, that's that stretch coming out in that building in front of that crowd and coming out that flat and having Xavier own the game from the start was eye-opening. And I don't think a great prognostication for what this Providence team is going to do going forward. And probably a great sign for Xavier. Great sign for Xavier. The only thing I'm worried about with them is if they can keep this up. Obviously, all signs are pointing to that they can right now. But, I mean, you just never know with this team. Defense keeps you in games, and they don't have a whole lot of that. But, I mean, if, if, <laughs> it's not going to matter if you shoot 55% from the field as a team no. on the offensive end. Well, did you do you see the shooting numbers for the second half there? I have not. For Xavier, 18 of 25 from the field. That'll do it. They only missed seven shots in the second half. That's the whole the whole name of the game here is getting that ball in the basket. That's what you're trying to do. And Xavier, I think Xavier's probably the second best offense in the Big East, and also arguably like second best offense in the country. Like the only reason they aren't the best offense in the Big East is because Marquette exists. But you look at what Sule Boom and Colby Jones did in this one. Providence had no answers. And I don't think that's on Ed Cooley. I think that's the personnel. Because Providence has one Devin Carter, and he can't guard both of them at once. And the rest of the Providence guards, it's, the only Providence guards that you can depend on offensively are guys who don't play very good defense. So it's, it's a trade-off. And the Friar offense came alive in the second half. And how many times did we see Providence go down and score, come back, and Xavier got an open lane to the basket? Those backdoor cuts over and over and over again, abusing them on it. And... Yeah, the Friars had no answers for that. I don't think they had the personnel to defend it, which is why I picked Xavier to win this game anyway. And we saw that all night long, basically 40 minutes of that. Yeah, between you picking Xavier and Michael picking the 40-point blowout, <laughs> the disaster, the Patrick Ewing disaster class, I mean, the, the regular <laughs> garden guys are on top of it this week. Just don't ask about the Butler-Marquette game in my pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just going to glaze over that. We don't talk about that. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is I was uh, – Butler missed, I think, 10 consecutive shots against Marquette and two free throws in that stretch. And the Friars managed to outdo that against Xavier in a stretch early in the first half, which if, if we had a bingo card for, for – Providence's offense being worse than Butler's for a stretch this week, I would not have assumed we were going to check that one off, and yet here we are. No. What a weird week. This is just such – I I said this to you in the opening. This is just such calm before the storm vibes. It's like we're in the twilight zone. I feel like anything (laughs) – Well, and we're in this weird part of the season where, like, like when we get to March, which is what we, we determine this whole thing around, when we talk about the great teams, it's whoever wins in March Madness. That's all basically playing teams that you haven't seen all season. And it's this whole unique animal, which is the complete and polar opposite 
of what conference play is like at this point, where you're you're playing on this rhythm and you were playing opponents who know you and who are very familiar with your coaching and your players. And at this point in the season, you've already seen this year and your team's banged up and you got to win in that scenario. It's very different from a tournament environment, which I think is one of the reasons, like, I think there's also a little bit of noise at this point in the year. Like Xavier Providence, I think that result matters. I think this tells us a lot about both teams, but at the same time, a lot of the upsets that you see in late February might not be because one of those teams is better than the other. It might just be because teams get, grinded down when you see the same teams over and over and over and over again sometimes things just break one way and it doesn't have any indication for what's going to happen in the next month yeah crazy yeah this was a a wild one um can i can we vote for colby jones and sule boom like conjoined as player of the week i'll allow it i don't see why yeah I don't know tool player of the week. He got some minutes. Oh no, that was last week. (laughs) I'm gonna give my my player of the week vote this week to Xavier Guard not governed, not guarded by Devin Carter. Whoever they had out there who wasn't guarded by Devin Carter was the player of the week. (laughs) Not Jerome Hunter. He gets defender of the week. Okay. He gets fan club of the week. Fan club of the week for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. But, yeah, that was crazy. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting is if if Providence wins on Saturday, this sets up a possible rematch between Providence and Xavier in the, the Friday session. I mean, here's the, the thing. Like, it's Xavier has a possible path here in the Big East tournament. They get through the first round of playing against Providence, a team they swept on Friday, and UConn, a team they swept in the championship game. Obviously, two tough opponents there. But if you're a Xavier fan, you have to feel pretty good about the fact that you have a real legitimate path to a Big East tournament championship at this point from the side of the bracket you're on. Yeah, I mean, the bracket this year is just so top-heavy. A lot of these teams are just going to beat up on each other at the top of the bracket, the Marquettes, the Creightons, the Yukons, And then there's Xavier and Providence kind of just, you know. I mean, Creighton's going to win two games this week. So they will probably be the two seed if I'm doing my math right. Creighton? Yeah. No, Xavier's locked into the two. I mean, I mean three. I mean three. My apologies. So it is right now, right? Let's let's do our seeding talk right now. There we go. Because it's a it's a little bit complex. Good segue. So uh Marquette's locked into the one. Xavier's locked into the two. Seton uh, Villanova's locked into the six. Seton Hall is seven. Butler and St. John's can flip-flop, but they that will be the eight-nine game. So all you're t- determining there is who's wearing the light jersey, who's wearing the dark jersey. And then your 10 is DePaul, your 11 is Georgetown. So the the 3, 4, 5 are up in the air. If Xavier, Providence, and Creighton all win on Saturday, then Xavier's the 2, Providence is the 3, Creighton is the 4, and then UConn would be the 5. That's how that would work. If Providence wins and Creighton wins, and Xavier loses to Butler, which sets up the scenario where Butler sweeps Xavier, which would be insanity. Then, because of the tiebreakers, it's Xavier at two, Creighton at three, Providence at four. So that's how that would drop. If all the favorites win, Xavier wins, Creighton wins, UConn wins, and Providence loses to Seton Hall, Creighton becomes the three, UConn becomes the four, Providence drops all the way down to the fifth seed. So... 
I think the most likely outcomes here are the Providence three, Creighton four, UConn five, or Creighton three, UConn four, Providence five. That's almost definitely how it's going to sort out because I don't think anybody here is predicting that Butler goes into Sintas and wins. No. This Villanova Providence NIT championship game is going to be insanity. <laughs> Get your tickets now. Las Vegas, baby. Nationally invited. We <laughs> Villa nationally invited. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which right now we're setting up for a Providence Villanova. It's Pro- Providence is almost definitely playing either UConn or Villanova in the first round. That's their draw. Xavier will play either DePaul or. Seton Hall? Is that what that is? Yeah. That would be a great matchup in the first round. Xavier Seton Hall. Yeah. That'd be really fun to watch. Yeah, it would be. Uh, Which, another note here, we're going to get Butler St. John's in the 8-9 game. They've never met in the Big East tournament. We're going to get Seton Hall DePaul, and they've never played in the Big East tournament. So a pair of firsts there. We're going to have a a whole show preview the Wednesday of the tournament next week. So we'll give you more details on that then. And Villanova playing Georgetown, just one in five in the Big East tournament against the Hoyas all time, including Georgetown beating Villanova in 2021 when they made that run. So could Patrick Ewing do it again? The answer is no, but um, <laughs> it's just going to be fitting that Villanova ends Patrick Ewing's tenure at Georgetown. That's it is. poetic justice. It really is. Um, and if they don't, if Georgetown somehow wins, then they're likely playing either Creighton or Providence, which that Georgetown Creighton game Wednesday night was an abomination. <laughs> yeah, if Georgetown somehow wins, you will not hear from me after that game until tip off next season, maybe. <laughs> at the earliest. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be something. But yeah, so there's that's how the bracket looks at the moment. A lot hinges on whether or not Providence wins because the rest of the games we're going to see. Well, I, the, the UConn-Villanova game is no gimme for either side. So that's a toss-up. But both Creighton and Xavier are playing games they should absolutely win, and I think we can assume they win. So the Providence-Seton Hall game is what probably determines that 3-4 and, and how that goes. And then if UConn's able to win and, and take advantage of a Providence loss, that, that brings that up. Um, do we want to talk about – is there anything else we want to bring up on Providence-Xavier before we move on? Providence Xavier, no, no, I don't, I don't know anything that we could bring up about any of these other games that went on yeah, in the there's, recap there's, section. There's Villanova Seton Hall. That was Wildcats. Wildcats keep it rolling. Uh, an abomination of a uniform matchup, if I if I may say so myself, with the Powder Blues against the Grays. It was almost hard to tell the teams apart when they were like running because it was blurry and they looked like the same color, but. Uh, other than that, uh, typical Seton Hall grinded out game, typical Villanova grinded out game, Wildcats end up winning it. Uh, what were your takeaways from that? If you get in a free throw shooting contest with Villanova in the last minute or two of the game, that is not a battle that you're going to win. Best free throw shooting team in the country last year. We're first place again this year. Um, historic last season. Not just historic. first place, but historic. Yeah, insanity. And then they did it again this – doing it again this year as we speak, knock on wood. Um, but, yeah, free throws down the stretch were pivotal. I think they were 21 for 22 the entire game. The last one was an Eric Dixon miss. Who knows if it was on purpose or not before he Odell Beckham Jr. the last 
catch of the game. Um, no, but this was a really good game. Like you said, I was texting you about this game beforehand, and I saw the line one and a half, and and I said we got to hammer that right. And you were like, I'm not touching that game. It, it's that's that's tricky in a way. Favor, you know, in a way favored this late in the season. Seton Hall loves these rock fights, and that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. Seton Hall loved loved the rock fight. They love getting it out of the mud. Outstanding defensive effort. They were clicking on all of their shots in the first half, it felt like. Their offense was outstanding in the first half. And then they came back down to earth a little bit, and Villanova took advantage of that. But good to see Seton Hall uh, fired up a little bit. They looked dead in the water their last game before that. Um, good to see them with a little bit of momentum. Yeah, a little home finale for them. So they'll look to make some noise in the Big East tournament. I think a lot of people have kind of counted them out. Uh, but, hey, season's not over yet. Uh, we'll see what happens and it's a talented enough team to make a little bit of noise at the Big East tournament. And we always get, there's always some shock, but we, we go into the Big East tournament thinking we know what's going to happen. And I think we also have a tendency in the, the, as fans and in the press to overreact to whatever the most recent game was at any given point. And it's like, Hey, Seton Hall is still a good team. Even though they lost that one at home, they're going to, they're going to fight. They're going to put together something else. And we'll see what happens the next time. They're good enough to beat, I think just about anybody in the Big East on a good night. So, We'll see what they do here. Villanova obviously keeping it rolling. Grinded out win. Didn't need to be pretty. Just needed to get the win there. We'll see what happens with them on Saturday, which we'll talk about shortly. In other news, Marquette gets it done. They win the Big East officially for the first time in school history. So round of applause there. Yeah, that's for for Shaka Smart and the boys over there. Fantastic season that they've had. Well-earned. One of the most fun teams in all of college basketball to watch. Uh, an amazing story from media day all on now. They'll be number one seed in the Big East tournament. Uh, huge stuff. Did you happen to see the milkshake thing that they got going on over there? I saw a video. Shaka said that they have special milkshakes for the winners of the Big East outright. They do. Um, so all year long, and I, I'm assuming they did this last year too, and just nobody wrote about it because it wasn't as interesting then. Um Every time they win a road game or a neutral site game, the team gets milkshakes. And they did a special celebration at some local place in Indianapolis after beating Butler Tuesday night, which I think is a cool thing. And uh, they were talking about, I think Cam Jones was talking about how he's into the strawberry milkshakes now. So I think if, Mar- if Marquette gets some wins at MSG, we're definitely going to have to ask where are they getting the milkshakes? What flavors are they getting? I, I want to know. I want to know what the deal is with this. That's such a weird thing. That's such a shock of smart thing. I mean, milkshakes after the game. You got the deflections board that he holds up during the game talking about deflections. Like, I don't know. I, that's, it's, it's It builds a culture. Gets guys to buy in. You know? And That is. That is what it yeah. does. Yeah. Which they, the deflections board, it reminds me, um, and I don't uh, – Jerome Hunter fan club, because you're active in the chat, you can probably answer this for me. I know at least under Travis Steele, Xavier used to do the the kills they used to track on the sideline, which is when they got, I believe, three straight stops on defense where they, they didn't allow a point. Not sure if that's still something they do under Sean Miller, but I know that was a long time thing under Travis Steele, and I believe Chris Mack did that too. Could be mistaken there. Uh, if somebody wants to correct me and tell me a little bit more about this, please do. But those little things that you track, I think, 
can help build that culture and get you into stuff. And I know they, they do this around the conference too. I know the Friars do, uh, they have three different like championship weight belts that they give out after every game to your, whoever had the best game, whoever has the most rebounds, whoever has the most assists. That one's called the chief of dimes, which I, I love that name. Um, I don't know if it just has wristbands that say attitude on them. <laughs> this is why this is why Villanova's had a down year. Kyle Neptune needs to update the swag game. He needs a board to write something on, or he needs some milkshakes, or he needs some some medals. I don't know. Speaking of swag, I've had this dude in my DMs. I'll leave him anonymous. He's been <laughs> DMing me every game. Kyle Neptune wears a different watch. He's got like AP watches. He's got like a black dial Rolex. Ooh. He's got he like they he sends me a picture of Kyle Neptune's watch every game and says, "Can you ask him about it?" <laughs> so we gotta, I, I have my biggest uniform tracker. You can have your Kyle Neptune watch tracker. The, he said something along the lines of like what Jay was to suits, Kyle is to watches. So Ooh. that's gonna be All right. I think that's gonna be the tagline of my tracker when that gets fired up. I like it. I like it. We do um what do you call it? they they do have oh we do I do have a uniform update too, by the way, since that came up um this was xavier's win was their first in the blue running man uniforms this season so we are down to just four jerseys in the big east that have been worn this year and teams have not won in them i don't know if you saw my tweet earlier i did Uh, yeah so you know the four i'm assuming yep it's uh and it's not all four georgetown ones which is nice only two (laughs) only only half of them are georgetown only Uh, eight of the ten losses in the uniforms are georgetowns (laughs) (laughs) yeah villanova's just got the one against providence right yeah the white throwbacks for villanova and the white throwbacks for depaul they lost the st john's uh the hat game ones yeah yeah i like those I yeah, Villanova they, usually likes to wear the white throwbacks at the Wells Fargo Center in big games. I know they did when they beat number one Kansas a couple of years back. And I wouldn't they, be shocked to see him again on Saturday against uh, UConn. Exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, maybe we can go one and one. Possibly, we'll, we'll see if that's an option. And uh, yeah, Georgetown has two uniforms up there. Did not win in the navy blue this year. Did not win in the turquoise alternate. We'll see what they break out in the Big East tournament. They probably the Navy to try to change that, but the, they wore they have the black alternate road uniforms that they won in at, at Butler. So we might see those. They might stick with the one dark uniform if they have one in for that. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, and we have thank you, Jerome Hunter Fan Club, for chiming in. I'll, I'll throw this up on the screen here about the kills. Kills have always been tracked even before Steel, but Steel made it public and wanted the crowd wanted the crowd to bark when they were about to get a kill. They keep it on the scoreboard now and some people bark, but it's not a focal point. So yeah, I, I love that kill. I, I wish that some of these stats were put in uh, I know Xavier has put this in like media guides and game notes before. I wish they made some of these more public. I'd love for Marquette to make the deflect deflection stat public after the game too. Cause I think that'd be an awesome thing to incorporate and like actually keep track of how it changes over time, but I'm sure they do that internally. Look at Jerome Hunter fan club coming through with the the cold hard facts. That's what we I love. love. Did, he, did he ever follow you back on Twitter? He did follow me back on Twitter. I appreciate it. Wow, that. must be nice. Yeah. I thought his tweet got like 30 likes. The one calling us all bozos. That was. Look at him, man. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean us all bozos? There's one person here who's not a bozo. Yeah, that's true. You're not yeah. a bozo. Yeah. Maybe okay. if he saw your your Butler over Marquette pick, he, he would have. 
We don't have to talk about that one. <laughs> we don't talk about those. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the other two games that, that we had this week, yeah, the other two Wednesday night. Oh boy. Uh, DePaul at UConn, Georgetown at Creighton. They went exactly as you would expect. I don't know how much there is to talk about here other than that both of these games were a lot to a little and over almost immediately. 29 to 2. <laughs> 29 to 2. The Yukon DePaul game was at one point. I, I was making dinner. I came back out. I rubbed my <laughs> eyes. Maybe maybe the maybe the scoreboard operator wasn't, you know, doing his thing, but it 29 to 2. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And like what I had said earlier about how, oh, sometimes you get these like weird games late in the Big East season. You also sometimes get these games where teams are just, they know who they are and there's no messing around. And I think that's what we saw. UConn and Creighton dispatched these teams with ease, which if all of the favorites win on Saturday, I believe we're getting a Creighton UConn game on Thursday at 2.30, which would be a lot of fun. I know we've hyped up UConn a lot, and Creighton's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. But they have a real shot at winning that game. I think that'd be very entertaining. Obviously, we'll preview that whenever we get to it. It's now the point where we preview the games this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We got five games left in the regular season, Tommy. Five. That that can't be right. That can't be real. wild. And they're all on Saturday. We got three, count them, three nationally broadcast games in the Big East as well. And it starts at noon Eastern time on Fox. Seton Hall at Providence. Friars got a win there to open conference play in the Prudential Center. Now they're trying to bookend it. Bookend conference play with wins over Seton Hall. This is a really interesting matchup when you consider, I think, the physicality of Seton Hall and how big they are and the 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 issues with size that I think we've seen Providence have at certain points this season, especially on the glass against UConn and look at that Seton Hall defense against this Providence offense. It's an interesting matchup, and I think this will be a very close game. Who do you have pulling it out? I mean, this game now is a lot more – I don't even know how to word it. I guess for simple time constraints in simple terms, I, I just put it, it's a lot closer than it was a couple – days ago a couple weeks ago i mean and we're talking about a seton hall team that's lost five of its last six games providence before yesterday was undefeated at home so you going into that you know how could this be a close game you saw seton seton hall is not dead you know they lost at home 82 to 60 to xavier you see xavier's hot right now um we saw that last night maybe that wasn't an anomaly seton hall came to play it was senior night it was at home they wanted that win, and you saw it. They wanted to get it out of the mud, as they always do. Um, with that being said, I do think Providence does take care of business. I think they right their wrongs. They right the ship here. Um, Providence is just – they're too talented. They're too talented to drop this game. Um, their defense, uh, namely um, Devin Carter, if Kadari Richmond plays, will be a very fun matchup to watch. If not – um, him on Alamir Dawes is going to be fun just in terms of their athleticism. It's yeah. going to be a, a fun matchup to watch. But, yeah, I mean, looking at the Ken Palm rankings, this game shouldn't be close, but you know it will be. 
Yeah. Well, and that's um, – you talk about, like, the, the defensive matchups. When they met the first time, Providence kind of held on to win because Kadari Richmond had 28 points. It was a Providence defense that like, – it gave up career highs to Kadari Richmond and Tyler Kolick in back-to-back games to open Big East play. And I know we – the last – was it the last episode or two episodes ago when we were talking – you had mentioned the stat about teams that are the top top four in conference only offense and defensive efficiency. I don't know if you noticed, Tommy. Providence has dropped out of that now. With that, their defense dropped from I don't remember if it was third or fourth all the way down to sixth. They're below Villanova now in conference only, just with that one that one game we saw. What? Yeah, they plummeted with that performance. You're lying. No, it's bad. Uh, Providence's defense is quite frankly just not good right now. Uh, they've given up. They give a ton of points to UConn. The only thing they didn't give up a ton of points to recently, though they held they held Villanova, and they didn't give up a lot of points to Georgetown, which I don't think tells you much. Other than that, they've been giving up points to everybody recently, and it's been rough. If Canary Richmond plays, I'm tempted to pick Seton Hall in this one because Providence did not have an answer for him the first time. And I don't think that's a coaching thing. I don't think they have a body who can cover him. And if that's the case, Seton Hall can go in and win this game. That said, when's the last time Providence lost back-to-back games at home in this building? It's going to be a great environment. It's going to be Ed Cooley. I know there's the matchup stuff. I think i got to pick Providence here just because the two talented and I can't imagine this team coming out unmotivated at home in back-to-back games. But I'll pick Providence. But if Canary Richmond plays, Seton Hall is going to cover. Yeah, that stat I mentioned, over the last five years, there have been um, the winner of the Big East tournament, four out of those five years. Again, don't need to screw on your thinking caps too hard to find the outlier. Four of those five years, the winner of the Big East tournament has been top four in conference offensive and defensive efficiency. Right now, two teams fit that mold, even with Providence dropping out. Um, And it's still UConn and Marquette now. But Marquette is hanging on by this much. Their defensive efficiency, (laughs) 103.3. Villanova's defensive efficiency, 103.4. And Providence is 103.6. They're all... Providence could jump right back into the top four with a good game on Saturday. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. So if you're into the analytical side of things, maybe that's for you. I don't know. I like watching the games, you know, who, who can ball, who can't. I, UConn you know would probably ball. still be my pick. Well, I, I would say you know ball, Tommy, but you, you picked Providence over Xavier. So some would doubt that. I did. I did. I did pick Providence over Xavier. Stupid me. Me and everyone else. <laughs> Bozos. Pozos. No, but yeah, UConn will probably still be my pick. Providence is my pick in this game. Yeah, we'll pick the Friars. Uh, Friars, Seton Hall covers. I think we get a good game uh, or close game. Maybe not good the way Seton Hall plays. I think it might be a muck it up, like low scoring game. We'll see how it goes. It'll be physical. That is for sure. That we can absolutely, absolutely guarantee uh, this Saturday. The next game is also a national game. And I think we're kind of sleeping on this as a matchup. 
St. John's at Marquette, 2 p.m. Eastern, out in five serves. Marquette caps the season. They get to come home and celebrate a little bit on senior day with everything wrapped up. They could play St. John's back-to-back here because they're going to play either Butler or St. John's in the first and Thursday of the Big East tournament. They get St. John's now. They just played Butler. They're playing a team they just played, which I think is a really interesting dynamic. But I, I'm curious about the pace. I, I'm going to pick Marquette to win. I'll tell you that right off the bat. But I think this will be an entertaining game. And I think St. John's can play it closer than you would expect. Yeah, I think the St. John's team matches up well with this Marquette team very well. A.J. Store, him coming on as a freshman, has been delightful to watch. Um, but I, Tyler Kolick is just Marquette's safety blanket against these bottom-of-the-barrel teams in the conference. Um, he's not going to let them lose this one. No, no. And that's what I think the, these two teams play the same sport. Like they're going to play up tempo. They're going to press. They're going to try to get steals. They're going to do all that. It's just one of these teams is much better than the other in the half court. And that's why Marquette should win this one and by double figures. But I think it'll be interesting for stretches. And like I said, like I said St. John's will have a chance. This is a, a championship blue out for Marquette too. So we should see the, the championship blue, those light blue uniforms broken out. We should get a great color combination then. That light blue against the red. Uh, St. John's wears the gray, then we're going to be in a a nightmare matchup of not being able to tell the teams apart. But just like the Nova game. But yeah, you mentioned uh, that one team is just so much better in the half court. And and I I figured out why I crunched the numbers. Um, One team has Shaka Smart as a head coach, and one team has Mike Anderson as the head coach. And and that's the difference. (laughs) One team has Mike Anderson head coach. For now. <laughs> For now. What time is it? Yeah. Where's yeah. Michael? Is he still knocking where's, on Rick Patino's door? Yeah, where's Rick? That's my question. Rick? <laughs> I don't know, but if you find one, you're probably going to find the other. <laughs> uh, the, the first meeting in this one, Marquette won 96-85 at St. John's. Marquette did turn the ball over 14 times in that one. So St. John's got to them a little bit there, but also they still won by 11 points on the road. And, I would predict the same score again. I think we're in for a very similar similar evening or similar afternoon there out at Fiserv Forum. Then we get into the late window. You jump right from 2 o'clock to a 7 o'clock game. So, so we're going to get a nice little window. Here's how you plan your Saturday. You get up, you do breakfast, you do your morning chores, go to the grocery store if you have to, all that stuff. You settle in on the couch at noon. You're going to stay there until 4 o'clock and watch these games. And then you do a little bit of cleaning. You do your laundry if you have to. You get your dinner ready. You, you hang out, all of that. You do all that. And you can head back to the couch and catch the evening slate. I think that's the perfect way to, to do this. If you're going to watch all these games, a little Saturday and Big East Marathon. Um, the seven, first 7 o'clock games, Butler at Xavier. Butler won the first one in a truly bizarre game that featured multiple controversial goaltending calls. Uh, this is the one that involved calling. Oh, this is the one where they fouled up two. Butler did. This one also had Xavier calling a timeout when they didn't have timeouts, if I'm remembering correctly. A, a truly, truly bizarre game. I don't think that happens the second time around. I'm not picking Butler to win this. I'll tell you that much. No, Butler doesn't do the defense good. Um, <laughs> the whole defense thing, not really their thing. Um, and Xavier is just clicking 
on all cylinders right now. I mean, this is a scary team. I, I was talking about it in my group chat with a couple of the Villanova guys the other day. This is not a team I want to see in in the Big East tournament or in March. This Xavier team scares the crap out of me with how much – because, I mean, you look at the teams in the conference, really the only other – there's like two teams that can put up with the firefight that Xavier has and, and, and the flamethrowers they have, and that's UConn and that's Marquette on the offensive end. So um, Xavier scares the shit out of me. I, I do not want to see them at all. They, they should crush this one. I could see potentially a weird game happening, but – especially with the way the Butler offense, like Butler's defense is not good. So like there's, there's that their offense is even worse. Somehow it's the worst offense in the Vegas, which is remarkable with the talent they have there. It shouldn't be this bad and it shouldn't be good, but it shouldn't be this bad. Yeah. And it's something uh, Jerome Hunter fan club also mentioning here in the chat. The X Factor, Thad Mata's return to the Cintas Center for when he used to be the head coach there. I think we might have marked this game back in the offseason. We were talking games for, for some of these teams, with that being the return, you know, the final day of the season and all that. At least I might have at some point in there. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't think that storyline lasts very long. It's senior day, I think. I, I think – it doesn't take very long to figure out who's going to win this game once the ball's in, in play. Can we get Jerome Hunter fan club like a t-shirt or a hat or something? He is a loyal fan in the chat tonight. <laughs> Look at this. Sure, maybe we can get some. We'll get some Jerome Hunter fan club uh, Road to the Garden merch. Maybe we can get that going. Road to the Garden branded Jerome Hunter merch. Maybe we can get an. We have House Enterprise athletes. Brendan Housen from Villanova is a House Enterprise athlete. Hawson, Hawson, yep. Tommy. Hawson, my apologies. My apologies. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think he watches this show, so we're good. But yeah. <laughs> if you do, my apologies, Brendan. Yeah, I'll have to get that set up for Jerome Hunter. Calling it career night for Jerome Hunter. 20 points, 20 rebounds. It's happening. A career, you're having a career <laughs> night in pandering, man. Yes. Oh, I am. I know my audience. Um, <laughs> you sure do. Curious to see when or if Zach Fremantle returns at this point. Um, I, I think – there, the rumor was he was going to start practicing this week. Maybe they try to get him on the floor here, or maybe they hold off until the Big East tournament. We'll see. That's probably your biggest storyline to watch for Xavier, honestly. So, we'll we'll see what happens there. I think we move on to the uh, the the big game of the evening, the last nationally televised game there. UConn Villanova Wells Fargo Center. This is a heated matchup. These are probably the two hottest teams in the Big East at the moment, not named Marquette. So what do you think? How does it go? This is by far the best game of the weekend. It was my pick for game of the week. I like what you mentioned about the, even though you have been the biggest Villanova hater on, on social media over the last week, week and a half, kind of talking me off the ledge a little bit, but saying, you know, don't look too much into this Villanova performance at Seton Hall. That was always going to happen, right, with the Seton Hall team. Villanova is still one of the hottest teams in the conference. They just had a ranked Creighton team that's playing decent basketball, not the best basketball they've played all year, but good basketball, come into the Wells Fargo Center and play a non-competitive game. I mean, Justin Moore and Jordan Longino being back for this team, again, beat this drum every single episode, but I have to. I mean, this team, if this team right now, if there was a way in some alternate universe, black hole, vacuum, whatever, 
if this team could play the team that lost to Portland in the PK 85, this current team would win by 40 points. It's yeah. insane how much better this Villanova team has gotten. But man, are they going to have their hands full on Saturday night in South Philadelphia with this UConn team? They are playing. Well, I don't know. They were like the best team in the country the first month and a half, two months of this season. First 14 games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I can say the best basketball of the season because the best basketball of the season's kind of hard to attain, but they're playing some of the best basketball in the country. I'll put that there. Um, I mean, you couldn't ask for much more. There's going to be fireworks. I'm extremely nervous as a Villanova guy. Um, I picked Nova to win. I might change my answer to UConn, um, just seeing the way they've been dismantling these teams. But you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm rocking with the Cats. Last-minute change of heart. Um, cats. Snip, snap. Snip, snap. <laughs> now, I'll roll with the Cats here, too. Um, wow. Really, because they're at home. And I, I'm just I'm curious about this matchup. Eric Dixon is playing maybe the best basketball of his career right now. He looks fantastic against Adama Sunoco, who is one of the best bigs in the country. So you're going to have that battle in the paint. Caravan against Cam Whitmore is incredibly intriguing. But I think what's the most interesting, when UConn's had issues, it's because the guards have struggled. It's because teams have been able to get to them. And Villanova might have the guards to do that now. Flangino and Justin Moore, some of these guys out there, I think they can give UConn some fits. And if they can do that, it's going to be a slow-paced game, the way these teams play. So if Villanova can kind of win the turnover battle and not get killed on the glass and kind of hold their own in the paint, which I think they have the bodies to do, they'll win this game. I think these are, let's put it this way. When I had, when we go back to the preseason, I had picked Villanova to win the conference, which looks ridiculous now, but it's because I was imagining the team we've seen the last couple of weeks playing from a much earlier point, <laughs> I, I think I had imagined that we were going to see, uh, well, first, I mean, Cam Whitmore missed time, Jordan Longino missed time, and I thought we were going to see Justin Moore back a little bit earlier than he ended up coming back. If you get this Villanova team from the start of January on, I think the standings look a ton different right now. Yeah, and you didn't get them until mid-February, but. <laughs> Very true, and better late than never, right? You mentioned yeah. Eric Nixon. He still has two years of eligibility left, as crazy as that sounds. Does he? Because he yeah. has that red shirt year. He took his red shirt in the COVID season. And I think that still uses up the year of eligibility. I checked I think, with, with I the Villanova guy the other day. He said two. I'll double check that. Okay. But he has the red shirt and the COVID left from what okay. I understand. Interesting. I he might – I, I think it's just one because I think Ed Croswell might be in the same boat and he is done now having done a similar similar situation. But I'm just going to go ask Eric. We'll figure it this, out. This whole thing is so complicated. It's just trying to figure out the roster stuff. And teams don't make it clear either. No. no, no they, like, I wish they will make it as complicated as possible because they don't want you to know who's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would just, you know, put it on the website. It just doesn't make any sense. But yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. I mean, Eric Dixon is playing some of the best basketball that he's been playing all year. Um, and he gets up. He gets up for these games. You saw it against Ryan Kalkbrenner. I mean, that game plan by Kyle Neptune was absolutely flawless. Just ha having Kalkbrenner 
uh, come out to the three to guard Eric yeah. Dixon. And when he didn't come out, Dick Dixon just turned into to Steph Curry, which was mm-hmm. something I did not foresee on my bingo card this year. Um, <laughs> Kyle Neptune really laid down the blueprint for Creighton really well. Doug Mc, or, yeah. I keep saying Doug McDermott, Greg McDermott. <laughs> Was impressed, but yeah, Eric Dixon. He gets up for these games. He's had success against Adama Sinogo in his career already. Every every matchup that he's played against Sinogo, he's gotten the better of him. So that's going to be something to watch. The guard play is going to be something to watch. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the the athleticism battle between Cam Whitmore and Andre Jackson. That's going to yeah. be a lot of fun in the post. Yeah, when when he gets that matchup, and when he gets um, when he gets Alex Caravan. I think it's those two are very, very just interesting. And Caravan Whitmore, those are the two top freshmen in the conference right now. So get to see them. We get to see two of the top bigs, two of the top freshmen, battle it out. We should have it. This should just be a great game. Excited to watch it. And then we have our finale late Saturday night, last regular season game of the year. The first they used game of the year was DePaul at St. John's. Excuse me, DePaul is going to uh, gonna close it out, too, with a rematch of the most-watched college basketball game of the season, the Creighton-DePaul game on Christmas Day, which drew crazy ratings. Creighton will, will visit DePaul 9 p.m. Eastern on, on Fox Sports 1. This and the butler Zafir game are on Fox Sports 1. The other three are on Fox. Uh, Trey Alexander went off in the first meeting. Creighton kind of hammered DePaul. We did see Xavier go to DePaul and lose earlier this year. Obviously, we saw Villanova go there and lose. DePaul's on an awful losing streak, which I think has kind of gone under the radar here with the Georgetown and Butler St. John's situations. DePaul's playing really bad basketball right now. Is there any chance they turn this around for a one-game spoiler over Creighton, or the Blue Jays going to take this? No, it's Creighton. Don't overthink it. Now, I got a question for you. Is this Tony Stubblefield's last game as DePaul head coach? Well, no, because well, he'll have well, the East tournament. Regular season, regular season. No, you you have to give him another year because he kind of got dealt an awful hand this season with the sheer number of injuries this team had and the fact that their guy who was supposed to be their best returning player left for another team in the conference for reasons that I think were outside of Stubblefield's control. That said, this is not what year two was supposed to look like here. This team has gotten worse, and – there's no reason that it should have gotten worse. They're, they're playing bad basketball now when they're fully healthy, and that's really unacceptable for this program at this point. They, they're not that talented, but they should be better than this. So I think I think he's going to go into year three needing to, and maybe not coaching for his job in year three, but he's going to need to put together a good performance. I'm, I want to see how DePaul hits the transfer portal this offseason. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this this fire stub stuff is premature. I, I like Stubbs yeah. as the head coach. Um, I my favorite, uh, not my favorite, but one of my favorite Twitter accounts uh, in all of Big East Twitter is the Blue Demon Degenerate. Amazing uh, account. I just want to give him a shout out. He is fantastic. I miss I miss the chicken parm recipes. I mean, it, it, I'm all time account. So shout out him. I just. <laughs> Hang in there. Hang in there with yes. Stubblefield. Yeah. It, it looks like Stubblefield had to use all of his energy to beat Xavier back in January, and they used it They used it all up on that. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, haven't, they have not won since that game, which is crazy because at that point they'd won two out of three against Villanova and Xavier and looked to actually be putting something together, and it's been all downhill. So rough there. I think we both think Creighton caps the regular season with a victory, and that'll send us in the Big East tournament week. That's what's so confusing about Villanova, or not confusing, but frustrating. Like You mentioned that Villanova lost to DePaul. They lost to DePaul. They lost to, to Portland, to Temple, to Butler. I mean, anything can happen at Hinkle, but you get my point. Just you get to 20 wins, you give the committee, you put the committee in a, a tough spot. So it's just That's so frustrating that this team couldn't hold the water until uh, it was 100%. But yeah, we're in for a fun March, Matt. That we are. Uh, do you want me? I can I can give our, our schedule for next week now that we're, we're mostly putting this together. We have a whole whole bunch of content coming at you next week. So stay active in your podcast feed. Stay active on YouTube. So we're going to have something for you every single day starting on Sunday. So what the schedule is going to look like Sunday, I'm putting out, I'm doing an interview with uh, SB Nation's bracketologist to kind of look at after the regular season, where the teams stand, look at all the resumes, look at their cases, what seed lines we think they're going to end up being on selection Sunday before we even get to the tournament, which I don't know how much these tournaments even end up mattering into seeding. So this will give us a really good baseline to see how things are changing over the next week. Monday, Tommy and I are going to have our usual Monday night show. Uh, we're still figuring out who's going to be on that show, but I know we're going to recap the final weekend. We're going to do our awards. We're going to do all the regular Big East awards. Plus, I think we got some fun ones cooked up for you guys. And we're going to preview the whole Big East tournament. Tuesday night, we're going to do a show for you guys to preview just the Wednesday night games. And we want to give a special focus on those teams, especially because quite a few of those teams probably not going to be talking about again until we get to the coaching cycle, until we get to the transfer portal. So want to make sure that some of those teams get a last, a last little bit of coverage on here for the season and look at their seasons a little bit. Wednesday through Saturday, Tommy and I are going to be at the Garden so we're going to have a post-game show for you every single night from the Garden. What? <laughs> the last comment. Hunter <laughs> fan club. As long as Matt is on, I don't care who else is. This is the Matt Eugene Gene fan club. Tommy Godin slander. Tommy Godin erasure there from the Jerome Hunter fan club. I'm going to start a Tommy Godin fan it. club account now. You hate to see it. The username's <laughs> already taken. <laughs> uh, but yes tommy and i will be at the garden all week long for the games so we're gonna have a post game for show for you every night because of the wi-fi in there i don't think we're gonna be able to do um live shows it may just be audio but we will have content for you from every single night of the tournament and then we're still figuring out plans. But for Selection Sunday, we are planning on doing some kind of a live show during the bracket reveal, a little hangout session with a whole bunch of people. We're still figuring out who's going to be on to uh, just react to the bracket, have some fun, have some drinks, react to whatever it is we end up seeing, whatever these matchups are, and uh, have, a, have a fun community day. And we get into March Madness. And I think we're going to have a blast with that. Amazing. Yeah. And then I would, yeah, and one other thing, we are going to do a bracket group, a bracket challenge for Road to the Garden as well for the fans. So we'll be putting that link out Sunday night or Monday after the selection Sunday. We'll talk more about that later, but 
we are going to do something for you guys. You can come in and I think we might do a giveaway as part of it. Maybe a road to the garden shirt for whoever ends up winning that. So uh, yeah, make sure to get in on that. You don't want to miss some, uh, some free gear there. Am I missing anything, Tommy? Nope. All good. All righty. Well, that's going to be it for us. That's Tommy Good, and I'm Matt St. Jean. You heard the schedule. You're going to be hearing from us a ton in the coming days. Enjoy your Saturday watching Big East hoops, and uh, we'll be seeing you next week. Thanks for listening.